This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Kia ora and welcome to the Pet Podcast. Pet is a dark and humorous short story collection that explores our relationships with children, lovers and other animals. The stories in this collection were written by Catherine Van Beek. In episode 2, Best Dressed Possum, Cultures Clash at the School Fair, read by Phil Vaughan. This podcast contains strong language. Please use discretion. It was the day of the school fair, and Devon's possum was immaculately attired. It hadn't been easy dressing the bloody thing, but she'd managed, and now it was shrouded in plastic and packed in a chilli bin. She opened the boot of the car, hoisted the bin inside and turned back to the weatherboard house to give a shrill two-fingered whistle. Bella and Jonty ran out, the door slamming behind them, their gumboots clapping down the front path. They hurtled into the car like bullets. Don't knock the bloody cake tin! Bella rested the tin on her tutu and did her seatbelt up over the top. Jonty sat in the back with his dog, Dash, a creature of uncertain pedigree, like the kids. Devon turned the key and started off down the driveway. You reckon I'll win the meat pack this year? she asked. Ben ignored the sideways glances from the other patrons. Really? There were worse things in life than a couple of six-year-olds brimming with joie de vivre, enjoying the simple pleasures of avocado toast and fresh carrot juice? It wasn't his fault the cafe owners insisted upon filling their establishment with hard services that amplified sound. And perhaps the sour people at the next table would be better off worrying about all the children who never got to go out for brunch at all. Or about the homeless woman sitting outside the liquor store next door. He hadn't noticed anyone else darting out to deliver her a spelt curry pie. His phone burred and he picked it up. Hey babe, how would you and the girls like to go to a fair? Tama asked. I thought we were going to the garden centre. I know, but there's a possum dress-up competition. It'll be a great human interest story. And anyway, we're almost there. We? Me and Shanti. We're bunking yoga. Ben sighed. Other people brought spoiled dogs into their marriages or pampered cats. Tama had dragged an old art school friend into theirs. So you'll meet us there? Ben glanced at the girls. They looked back at him angelically curly blonde hair framing their hopeful faces. Would you like to go to a fair? Aroha picked up her bread knife and drummed the handle on the steel table. Go to the fair! Go to the fair! Anahira picked up her fork to join in, but Ben snatched the utensils away. Okay, okay, looks like we're coming. The girl shrieked with excitement. Great, I'll text you the address. Ben put the phone down. All right, finish your drinks. Anahira reached for her juice and knocked it over, sending an orange waterfall down Aroha's organic, gender-neutral overalls. Bella marched onto the school sports field, the cake tin in her arms, her tutu waggling like the tail of an exotic bird. Devon and Jonty followed, each carrying one end of the chilli bin. Dash brought up the rear, his leash trailing on the ground. I want to go on a unicorn ride, said Bella. I want to do wood chopping, said Jonty, jiggling the end of the bin with excitement. Careful, you kids help me put this stuff away, then you can do what you want. 
They dropped the tin at the cake stand, where skinny Trish lifted the lid to reveal a misshapen banoffee pie, smeared with a fat layer of cream and decorated with greying chunks of banana. This looks lovely, Bella. Did you make it? No, Mum did, said Bella. Devon grimaced. I'm not much of a baker. Mum made my tutu as well, said Bella, swirling the bright tulle around her. This was from a ball dress in the op shop. Trish put the lid back on the cake tin. Noelle does a banoffee pie every year, she said, indicating an impressive creation standing on a pedestal, its thick caramel filling covered with perfect white swirls. But you weren't to know, not being from here. I'll take mine home if you don't want it, said Devon, reaching for the tin. Trish grabbed the sides with her long fingers and pulled it back towards her. Every bit counts if we're going to get new gym gear for the kids. Devon turned on her wedge-heeled shoes, and Bella skipped ahead to the tent at the end of the row. Pete was already displaying the first possums on the shelving unit he built. One was dressed in a baby grow and accessorised with a dummy. Another wore a fairy outfit and held a wand. Your possum's better, Mum said Bella. Been sewing up a storm, have you? asked Pete. The ladies at Vinnie's were starting to wonder why I was buying so many negligees, Devon said. She tapped the side of her nose mysteriously in answer to Pete's questioning face. When's judging? Can I leave it on ice till then? That's what most people are doing, Pete said, indicating a stack of blue and white chilli bins at the back of the tent. After last year... Better safe than sorry. Devon nodded. Last year had been unseasonably hot. Judging's at two, so be ready by one thirty. Dash whined and Bella held fast to his collar. Jaunty stacked the chilli bin at the back of the tent, then returned to Devon and stuck out his hand. Bella stuck her spare hand out too. Devon gave them each a five dollar note. Jaunty groaned. Ma'am, are you kidding? I'm not made of money. But she scooped some coins from her wallet and distributed them between the outstretched palms. That's it. And you have to buy your own lunch. Meet you back here at two. Jaunty and Dash bounded away, but Bella looked up at Devon quizzically. Mum, why did she say we're not from here? We've been here for ages, longer than anywhere else. Some people just stir the pot. Go and get your unicorn ride, hun. Next to Pete's stand, a group of elderly rockers set up their gear on a low stage, surrounded by hay bales. A couple of gang members hung about like security guards, their knuckle tattoos at odds with the candy floss in their fists. A guitar screamed, and Devon walked away. Ben stood outside the service station toilets, trying to feel grateful. One day the girls would be growing. And then he'd miss the cafe hijinks, the spilt drinks, and the emergency bathroom breaks. His phone pinged. A photo of a possum in a baby grow. Before he could reply, another photo appeared. This possum was dressed like a fairy, and he was quite clearly deceased. The possums are dead? Ben typed. What will we tell the girls? Don't worry, there's also a pony ride. The twins emerged from the toilets. Can we have some lollies? 
asked Aroha. Ben ran his eyes over the brightly coloured packets. Make life sweeter. It was impossible to go anywhere without his own words staring back at him. Grandma's recipe. It must be munch time. Family fun. Can we? echoed Anahira, tentatively sliding a packet towards her. Ben pushed it away. No, they're full of rubbish. Another parent picked up the sweets and took them to the counter. Do your bit to fill the world with plastic, Ben thought. The alternative slogans had started out as a bit of fun, but although he had tried to crowd them out with positive affirmations, they'd become a neurological twitch that didn't stop. A toxic mix of colours, gelatin and high fructose corn syrup. Cancer for the whole family. Laziness. That's the reason he had a job. If people took the time to inform themselves, the advertising industry would collapse overnight. Sure, he could bow out, go and work for a quarter of the salary at some musty not-for-profit, but that would hardly bring down the system. And he had kids to provide for. Come on, who wants to go on a pony ride? He shooed the twins out of the service station and into the Prius. He could have been at the garden centre getting the lemon balm he wanted for his bee-friendly borders. He tried to feel grateful that he wasn't. Shoot the possum yourself, did you? asked Zane. He leant against the high striker mullet, his burgeoning bear gut testing the stretch in his band 1080 t-shirt. Gonna join the gun club? Maybe, said Devon, tucking her green and blonde hair behind her ears. I sure didn't get invited to the ladies' cake-baking club. Uh, It takes a while to get accepted in this town. No shit. Jonty ran up to them and tugged on Devon's top. Mum, did you know a man took my photo for the newspaper while I was eating my hot dog? Wow, you're famous. Also, can I have five dollars? I gave you five dollars. Jonty spread his empty hands. Did you know there's a car you can smash? For five dollars, you can smash it as much as you want. I don't have five dollars, said Devon. I already spent ten dollars making that stupid pie. Why don't you try the high striker? See if you've got what it takes, suggested Zane. I'll give you a free go. He handed the mallet over. Jonty took a deep breath and whacked the target. The puck rose up the scoreboard past, that's embarrassing, and you're not even trying to land on, you hit like a girl. Ah! Jonty groaned, crestfallen. Hardly anyone makes it to the top, Zane said. He reached into his pocket, pulled out his wallet, and handed Jonty a five dollar note. Jonty snatched it and ran off whooping. Ha! He's a dag, said Zane. That's putting it mildly. Ever think of having more? Fuck off. She looked at him, sizing up the knowing eyes in his sunburnt face, the oversized belt buckle winking on his hips. He must have been a real rooter in his day. I've got to get my possum ready. Zane nodded. You know, you're a real asset to this town, he said. That Winston possums you did last year? Oh, bloody brilliant. He picked up the mallet and nonchalantly swung at the target. The puck rose to, you're the man, and the bell chimed with satisfaction. 
Ben and the girls walked onto the field, passing a filthy-looking hot dog stand. Scrumptious slaughter scraps. Type two for you. Daddy, look! Bella was being led around the field on a white pony with a ribboned horn attached to its bridle. I want to ride! Me too! Okay, let's find Papa first. They wandered between tents, filled with crystals and dream catchers, until they came to a stall that had people huddled around it. Tommer stood amongst them, taking photos, looking out of place in his athleisure wear. Ben got closer, but quickly backed away when he saw an elderly man holding a stiff cat dressed like a rugby player. Sorry, mate, said Pete. Beautiful job, but uh, I can't accept a cat. Oh, they're bloody pests. What if it belonged to someone here? You, you, you can't be seen to be shooting people's pets. The elderly man tucked the cat under a swan dry and shuffled off, swearing under his breath. Tummer moved his camera away from his eyes and waved to Ben and the girls. Check this out. Ben led the girls to the tent, where possums sat in a row like macabre china dolls. Each was identified with a label. Possum Diana was accessorised with a pearl choker. Jacinda Ferdern sported a set of fake teeth, and Marga had a red tie and a giant hairpiece of teased wool. Devon was setting up the last possum. It wore black silk pyjamas and a burgundy smoking jacket. She sat the corpse up and perched a sailor cap on its head. Then she reached into a chilli bin and pulled out two rabbit carcasses, each dressed in lace. She arranged them next to the possum with her sign, Hugh and his bunnies. She turned, tucked her green and blonde hair behind her ears and smiled at Zane. She was missing a tooth. Ben shuddered. Rent a yokel. Get your mouth breathers here. I'll take the girls for a pony ride. A loud metallic crackle shot through the air. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this year's best-dressed possum competition, Pete intoned, speaking into a battered portable sound system. Ben tightened his grip on the girls' hands and turned to leave, but they were hemmed in by the crowd that had gathered behind them. Who will be this year's winner? Who will take home the coveted meat pack? Our judge, Principal Gibbons, sure has his work cut out for him. Pete said, nodding towards a serious-looking man with a clipboard. We'll hear a song from the band, and then Principal Gibbons will announce the winner. So, let's hear it for the good old boys. He indicated the band with a flourish, and the first notes of Sweet Home Alabama twanged. Ben felt someone shove into him, and he turned to see the crowd parting for an elegant woman in black. A black lace veil hung over her head. With black-gloved hands, she clasped a white grave marker. An all-seeing eye was painted on the intersection of the cross. Oblivious to the jaunty music, the woman walked slowly through the crowd towards the possum stand, her black dress clinging to her yoga-toned body. Is that? Ben asked. It's for her new show, Thomas said. There's a GoPro in that eye. Shanti reached the front of the stand and stood in front of the possums, holding the cross before her. Around her, people started to boo. Fuck off! 
shouted Zane. The band finished their song and the booing turned into whooping and applause. Pete turned on his screeching microphone. And now, for the moment we've all been waiting for. Pete moved forward to claim prime position in front of his stand. But Shanti and her cross were in the way. He flicked his microphone at her to shoo her off, but she snatched it from him. Kyora Koto, she said, addressing the cloud. We are gathered here today to honour the lives of these sentient beings, once proud forest-dwelling mammals, now debased before you as cheap entertainment. Gay, Zane yelled, turning on the thick soles of his boots and walking away. The crowd surged forward, and Ben clasped the girls to him. Who knew what these cat-shooting rednecks were capable of? He forced his brain to switch from slogans to affirmations. I can handle whatever comes at me. I am in control of my life. Zane strode down to the cake stand. I'll have that fine banoffee pie, please. This one? asked Trish, indicating Noel's towering masterpiece. No, that one, said Zane, pointing to Devon's lumpy creation. He handed over his money, and Trish slipped the pie onto a plastic plate. Enjoy, she said. But Zane was already walking away. He saw Jonty in the distance and beckoned him over. Come on, kid. Jonty and Dash fell into line beside Zane. They marched back to the possum stand, where Shanti was sandwiched firmly between the two gang members, and Pete once again had control of the mic. Zane pushed towards Devon, who was standing expectantly at the front. Mr Gibbons has made his decision, said Pete. And now we'll find out which one of these critters has gone from pest to prize winner. The principal picked his way through the crowd. Pete held the microphone out for him. Be the change you want to see in the world, thought Ben. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. He grabbed the mic. I'm sorry, but Shanti is actually right, he said. Does no one else have a problem with this fairy freak show? Can't we treat our fellow creatures with some respect? Why don't you treat us with respect? yelled Devon. This could be a lovely day. It's a pity to ruin it with the shameful display. You're the one ruining it, shouted Devon. She wrestled the microphone off him. You're the shameful display. We're just trying to raise money for our school. The crowd burst into cheers, which grew even louder when Zane marched up and mashed Devon's pie into Ben's face. Ben toppled into the display unit, sending furry corpses scattering. "'Phew!' screamed Devon, rushing to rescue her possum. The gang members leapt into help, and Shanti backed slowly away. In the commotion, only Ballard noticed Dash slink past with possum Diana in his jaws. Tama ran with Aroha on his shoulders, and Ben ran with Anahira on his. Shanti followed behind them, still clutching her cross, her veil flapping over her face. The lady in the first aid tent could have been more sympathetic, Ben gasped. Of course she wasn't, Tama yelled. You basically called everyone in this town a meathead hick. They ran towards the street where they could at last see their getaway cars. Oh, my first taste of dairy in years, and it was cream from an effing can, Ben huffed. Just get in the Prius, 
Tama yelled. These people have guns! Shanti slipped out of her shoes and ran ahead, leaving two black stilettos impaling the grass. See you at yoga, she called, bolting into her Nissan leaf. Ben and Tama bundled the girls into the back of the Prius and then leapt into the front. Ben started the car and reversed as quickly as he could. What about our pony ride? asked Anaheda. She turned to face out the rear window. Devon stood at the school gates, staring after them, her green and golden hair swirling in the breeze. Pete approached her, his arms laden with rump steaks, chicken drumsticks and pork medallions. Without taking her eyes off the reversing car, Devon took the meat pack and clutched it triumphantly. Next to her, Bella swirled the soft tulle of her tutu. She caught sight of Anaheda, smiled at her and waved. The Pet Podcast was written by Catherine Van Beek and produced at ORFM, Autopoti Dunedin. Music is by Jolin Mulholland. The intros and outros are read by me, Tina Turntables. Thank you to Creative New Zealand and New Zealand On Air for making this podcast possible. You can listen again and find further episodes of Pet at ORFM. That's oar.org.nz. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.